close your eyes, inflate your bellows as we enter my third ear. Hey guys, I'm Tamara Kohler and welcome to My Third Ear, a show that explores seemingly unknown sounds that might be a little more familiar than you think. Now, if you're a moviegoer in 1997, then chances are today's instrument has already had a good tug at your heartstrings. No, we won't be hearing from Jack and Rose today, but we will be meeting this emotive instrument, the Illin Pipes. The Illin, or Irish Pipes, span all the way back to the 11th century, and the pipes as we know them today have been in practice for about 300 years. It's us like bagpipes, harmonica, what's it called? <laughs> The first thing you should realise is that these are not like the uh, Great Highland bagpipe. That's Matt. More from him later. So, apparently you don't need a kilt or a ticket to the military tattoo to understand these pipes. Aside from a difference in heritage, there is another primary distinction between the bagpipes of the Scottish Highlands and the Illin pipes. Illin pipes actually means pipes of the elbows, so they don't require their player to blow into anything. The performer sits while they play, balancing the instrument across their lap, which enables freedom for their elbows to inflate the bellows. But how does it actually work? Cue Melbourne-based Illin Piper, Matthew Horsley. Hi, my name's Matthew Horsley, and I'm an Illin Piper percussionist and composer. I asked Matt to simplify the workings of the Illin Pipes for us. They are bellows blown uh, rather than mouth blown, so nothing actually goes into my mouth. Instead, I have a bellows under my right arm that feeds air into the whole system. Uh, That goes into the bag, which is under my left arm, and from there it goes through the various pipes. So uh, I'll start with these. We have three drones, and they just basically hum away, uh, providing a sort of harmonic basis, I suppose and um, they rest across my lap. Then I have the chanter, which I'm holding in front of me, and that's what plays the melody, so I'll just give a little demonstration there. It has a a wider range than the Highland Pipes and a lot of other bagpipes, uh, because it's designed to overblow the octave. And it also has the ability to play staccato, which is something quite rare in a bagpipe. And finally, um, I guess the most unique feature of the Illin Pipes, as opposed to other members of the bagpipe family, also lying across my leg I have this system of keys on three pipes, which are known as regulators. And I can play them with either my wrist, um, while my fingers are still playing the chanter, or sometimes take my right hand off the chanter to play it with the fingers. And the regulators give me simple little chords to accompany myself, so... Tune Illin Pipes. 
slowly and painfully is maybe <laughs> the best answer there. Uh, it, I have seven different reeds in this instrument. Uh, four of them are double reeds, so look maybe a little like an oboe reed or something like that. The other three are much simpler single reeds, which is for the drones. And often by making minute adjustments to the reed, as in um, putting it further or further down or higher up in the pipe, or maybe um, sliding the bridle, which is this little piece of metal that changes the aperture size of the reed, so things like sure. that. So it's quite similar to wind and brass generally yes in that sense. yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the difference between say the oboe another double reed instrument is that I don't have the fine control of having my lips on the reed to help me out so I sort of have to do everything I I can with my left elbow which is not not such a dexterous part of the body I suppose so how does a successful percussionist and composer suddenly end up a piper <laughs> that's a good one I uh, was halfway through a, a degree in classical percussion uh, at the Queensland Conservatorium, and I guess I got bored, as a lot of people do during music degrees, and I decided to take up the tin whistle. So, yeah, I took up the tin whistle, which is um, how a lot of people get started on this instrument, because you can get a basic sort of handhold on some of the techniques and a lot of the repertoire of Irish traditional music before you take it to this considerably more complicated instrument. And I suppose as I listen to more and more Irish music, I just really connected with the sound of the pipes. And you start off with what we call a practice set, which is just the chanter, bag and bellows. Um, so you don't have the drones or regulators to accompany yourself, but you can be playing the melodies. And um, played the practice set for a few years and eventually upgraded to what we call the full set. Now, purchasing 101. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen Ilan pipes on sale in Audi yet. Well, it's it's not like a lot of um, other instruments in that they're not mass-produced at all. There's no factories churning these out like you'd find for clarinets or violins and things. And almost all Ilan pipes are handmade, uh, often by a single pipe maker or maybe just with one or two apprentices. And... Um, that means firstly that there's not much standardisation, which is amazing because everyone has a unique instrument. You can really like the sound of one particular maker's pipes and, and play an instrument that suits you much more that way. Uh, one downside is that the best makers, I suppose, are incredibly in demand. And um, I, I'll tell you that one maker, Jeff Wolf, who's a, a phenomenal pipe maker, um, who used to live in Australia, actually, but... Um, He's now closed his books, but his waiting list was 15 years by the end there. So um, you've got to have some pretty serious forward planning to uh, get on top of that one. These were made about five years ago, I believe. Uh, I might just say now, these pipes are what we call a flat set. So uh, there's sort of two broad categorizations of Illin pipes. And uh, these are called flat because they're in a flatter pitch, a lower pitch than is most common nowadays. So these are pitched in the key of C, whereas a lot of modern pipes are in the key of D, which we call concert pitch. But it's also a difference in design. These are more in the original spirit of the earliest pipes, which were made in the 18th and 19th centuries, and often use those instruments as templates, uh, whereas the concert sets are um, a much louder, brighter sound. 
um, which were designed to play in the vaudeville halls in America in the early 20th century. But some of us really prefer the sort of sweeter uh, and more complex sound of the old pipes, and I'm one of those people, I guess. Matthew has recently released his debut album on the Inland Pipes, Australian Waters. I asked him a little about how that came about. Absolutely. I guess the first time I really got thinking about it, I was uh, over in Ireland about two years ago now, um, and I studied quite intensively with a great piper by the name of Mikey Smith, uh, who lives in Limerick. And it was really Mikey who suggested I should record something. For a while we were even talking about doing it while I was over there in Ireland, and that, that got a bit much, but um, that was on my mind as soon as I got back home and immediately started planning for that. And it's an album of Irish traditional music, so the sort of real, I guess, centre of the repertoire for this instrument. And I, I do some other things, but I really just wanted to prove I could cut it as a traditional musician, you know, as something, someone who took this instrument up as an adult. Sometimes you get a bit of an inferiority complex about... Um, all the amazing whiz kids you see around uh, playing it, and I, yeah, I, I just wanted to see if I could handle, you know, just a straight-ahead traditional album, and that's what it turned out. So. This is the first track on the album, The Rolling Wave. Yeah, The Rolling Wave is a really great old piping tune. Uh, a lot of people have, have tried their hand at it, I suppose. It's uh, normally played much faster. Um, you know, if you're playing it as a jig at a session sort of speed, it will be a lot quicker. And I really sort of liked just pulling it back and back and back, or almost as more of a, a march or something. It has this sort of weight that I think can only be brought out that way. So, um, yeah, that's something that people immediately comment on who are used to hearing it much faster, that it actually might even work better this way, I'm not sure. And finally, any piping heroes we should check out? Probably the one that really comes to mind is Willie Clancy, who's a, a pretty big name in the world of piping. I'm not going too obscure there. Um, Willie was most active in the middle years of the 20th century. He was from West Clare, um, very near where these pipes were made, actually, so that's sort of a nice little quasi-spiritual con connection, I suppose. And Willie just had this tremendous ability to work, I think, all the emotions into his playing of, of, of tunes that, you know, on the face of it might just sound like fast, jolly little numbers, but I think this, this incredible emotional depth to how he played. And this sort of, how do you describe it, I suppose a sort of careless approach to his instrument that he's almost... He's thinking about loftier concerns than playing with perfect technique and intonation, and um, 
somehow it's much more profound than a very um, sterilised, I suppose, performance like you, you sometimes hear nowadays. singer-songwriter and epic storyteller Kate Bush features Ellen Pipes vastly across her album Hounds of Love, including that beautiful song, Hello Earth. Won't you be back tomorrow? Won't you be back tomorrow? Will you be back tomorrow? These pipes are no strangers to pop culture. Featuring U2's early classic, Tomorrow, and also in this familiar sitcom. Hello, Waltham and Terry's. Hi, Mrs. Waltham. Hi, it's Phoebe again. Can I... Please, please, please talk to one of the best men. I, this is going to be the last time, I promise. Joey, there's a girl on the phone for you. Oh, great. <laughs> what we did last night was... Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> totally crazy stupid. <laughs> what were we thinking? <laughs> I'm coming over tonight, though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> The Beauclay brothers, with their Celtic project, have injected the Illin Pipes into the world of fusion jazz, spreading the sound of the pipes once again into yet another musical world. reached a fame status when a composer attempts to present that instrument en masse. Sean Davies' epic live album The Pilgrim features a choir of illin pipes bellowing in all their glory. I also enjoy playing in small groups. I've got a trio uh, by the name of Trioc at the moment with a uh, harp and fiddle. And um, again, I think it works really well with that sort of instrumentation. That's just playing Irish traditional music. I also um, 
try some other things. I try and play contemporary experimental improvised music on these. I've certainly done a few gigs like that in recent times. And I also try and commission or compose new repertoire, maybe with a, a different sort of focus from the traditional music to try and, I suppose, just hear what the instrument is capable of and try and extend some sounds and ideas into a new world. We already know that the bagpipes are no stranger to the rock genre. went one step further and they made their mark in symphonic metal. Yep, it's a real genre. Check out how Finnish group Nightwish vamped up their song I Want My Tears Back. Massive thanks to my guest today, Matthew Horsley. Grab a copy of his stunning album, Australian Waters, at matthewhorsley.com. I'll put up all the details on our Facebook page. That's right. We're taking over all of the medias. So check out My Third Ear on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. It really makes a big difference. I'll put up the music listings from today's episode on our Facebook page. And finally, a little shout-out to legends Alison Wright and Pete Kidson, who worked with me on our opening theme song. More on that one later. <laughs>